um, concerning all these things. This is all the, the works and miracles that Jesus had been doing, right? And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Man, if you've studied the Bible, and if you've read the the Gospel of Luke, and Matthew, and Mark, and even John, you're going to find that John the Baptist was uh, an amazing man. Um, He was a, a great man of faith. God had raised him up. God had even filled him with the Holy Spirit. Think about this, before he was born. I mean, from the mother's womb, uh, homeboy was filled with the Holy Spirit, man. I mean, this guy was awesome. His parents were awesome. He was raised in the Lord, and then when the time was right, he went out into the wilderness. And, and man, hundreds of thousands of people went out to hear the word of the Lord that had come from John the Baptist. John the Baptist, we're going to see even Jesus says, was a great man, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And he was bold, and we're going to see he didn't compromise, he wasn't comfortable. Um, He was pointing everybody to Jesus Christ. And so when I read this right here, I don't know about you, but, you know, it kind of trips us out, doesn't it? I mean... John hears about the miracles of Jesus, and so he calls two of his disciples to him. He sends them to Jesus with a rather strange question. He says, are you the coming one, or should we look for another? Isn't that weird? Isn't that kind of weird, especially coming from John the Baptist? Well, it is kind of weird in one sense, but... uh, I'm going to give you guys a few words today. And the first word is this word that kind of explains why John uh, was struggling in his faith. Uh, It doesn't excuse it, but it explains it. John, at this juncture in his life, is a prisoner. He's a prisoner. We read that in Luke 3, 19 through 20, Matthew 11, 2 and 3, that John was in prison. He had been arrested at least three months earlier. And the thing that he was struggling with at this point is that Jesus has so much power. I mean, Jesus, and we're going to see it again, he's uh, making the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak, the dead to live. So why am I in prison? Why is he a prisoner? I mean, this is Jesus' cousin. This is Jesus' forerunner. They were homeboys in the ministry. They were tied. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense why Jesus has so much power and so much love and they're so close and they're so tight. Why, John would ask, am I going through the struggle that I'm going through? Are you the coming one or or should we be looking for another? You know, and I don't know about you, but I think that for us, it, it's, a really, it's a really good story to read. It's just something that happened in the ministry of uh, Jesus and John, and it kind of unveils the, the, uh, the, the windows, man. It opens the, the shades to the fact that even the best of us can have doubts sometimes. You know, even the best of us, as we go through life, and sometimes we find ourselves as prisoners. We find ourselves in very, very, very difficult situations. Maybe you're in one now. Maybe you'll be one in the future. 
But you find yourself in difficult situations where you know the love of God and you believe in the power of God. And so it's puzzling to you as a child of God why you're a prisoner. You know, I, I, I know in reading this right here that the Lord really ministered to me and, and he ministers to us really that as we go through those times, man, that even the best of men have struggled. Men like Moses who uh, didn't want to carry on in the ministry. Men like Jeremiah and Paul who actually wanted to die. They said, you know what, I'd rather die. They went through days of despair. You know, so we can go through that. You might be there. And, um, you know, I think the Bible, is it kind of takes off the, the veneer. It takes off, you know, the, the plastic stuff. And, and it makes it real. It makes it human. We have our, our tough times. You know, but in looking at this right here, I think that um, we need to learn uh, what Jesus tries to teach us. What do you do when you're a prisoner? What do you do when you're in tough times? And not only that, what does God do when you struggle even in your faith? Is God going to turn you away? Is God going to say, you know what, you know, I'm out of, out of town, you know, get out of town, clown. Is that what God's going to do to us? Is God, you know, going to turn his back on us when we struggle? No way. It's not what the Lord does. But he will minister to us because there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is in your mind. Unbelief is in your heart. Doubt is when you find yourself struggling in situations that you don't understand. Unbelief is when you refuse the word of God. But when we have doubt, the Lord, he'll minister to us. He ministers to John. Look what we read next. It says right there that... um, that it says at that very hour, verse 21, he, Jesus, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me you know they came to jesus uh from john they said are you the coming one or should we be looking for another and jesus didn't answer them with a word like yes i am what he did is he answered with actions he said let me prove it to you and that very hour, it just so happened, you know, that sick people were healed and lame people could walk and, you know, blind people could see. He demonstrated, he showed that he is the coming one, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Savior. And, you know, he even said, these are the things that I've been doing. He says there in the latter portion of verse 22, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. But then he says something interesting. It's really a word of rebuke and warning. He says, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. You see, again, here we have, we begin today with the prisoner. And John's struggling. So much love Jesus has. So much power Jesus has. Why isn't he getting me out of prison? Why isn't he changing my circumstances? Are you the coming one or should we look for another? Jesus says, well, let me prove it to you. You know, and if you look back in history, the bottom line is, if you look back in history with honesty, there's no one else who's ever done this. No one else has ever made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the mute to speak, the deaf to hear, the dead to live. No one else has ever died and come back to life again. 
He's definitely the coming one. We need not look for another, right? But then Jesus says, if you ever find yourself as a prisoner, here's another beatitude that you can put to your list. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Now, the Greek word for offended, it means to trip. It means to trap. It means that sometimes in life, people get hit hard with difficulties. And what ends up happening a lot of times is people fall away from the Lord. They go through difficulties. And sometimes even Christians drift away from the Lord. And there's no longer a fire. There's no longer a passion. And sometimes people are no longer following Jesus Christ because something happened in their life. They got tripped. They got trapped by the devil. You see, and the Lord says, man, when you're there, blessed are you if you're not offended because of me. You know, when you're there and you're in prison, when you're there and you're going through the struggles, you know, my encouragement to you is to know that the Lord still loves you, that the Lord is still on the throne, But he's got uh, other plans that we need to trust him in. You know, yesterday I went to a retreat up in the mountains. And uh, afterwards, I was talking to a a gentleman that told me about his, you know, salvation, the things that God's doing in his life. He's an older man. But there was a, a, a prayer request that he had and was for his son. It turns out that his son, when he was 19 years old, that's 12 years ago, had drifted away from the Lord. He closed his heart to God when his mother died. His mother died of cancer. And for him, it was a trap. It was a trip. It was a prison that he just couldn't get out of. He said, man, if God loves me and if God is all-powerful, then why did my mom die? And so he didn't serve the Lord anymore. You know, and and that happens. You know, we don't know why. I wish I could give an answer to everyone, but there is no answer on this side of time. All I know is this, man. When you don't have the peace from understanding, we need to seek that passes. We need to seek the peace that passes understanding. And when you're in prison, you got to trust the Lord. You know, if Jesus would have left John out of prison, and I'm just going to speak hypothetically, I don't know for sure if this would have happened, but perhaps people would have followed John instead of Jesus. That's not good. You know, the bottom line is John finished his race. And in life, we have a race to run, and one day we finish the race. We can't stumble over God's decisions and his sovereignty. As a matter of fact, when you're in prison, I... I want to encourage you to do a few things that we see in the Bible that are actually good things to do. I mean, if you're here today and you're struggling or maybe you're going to struggle, you get hit hard in life. Something happens that just makes you want to not even serve the Lord anymore. You know, some people, they never even come to the Lord because it's so difficult what they've been through in life. Let me share with you a few things. One, I want you to know, like Joseph, when he was a prisoner that you need to stay pure. You need to stay pure. Do you guys remember the story of Joseph back in the book of Genesis, beginning in chapter 17? He was a really, really cool guy. He was young. And uh, when he was 17 years old, God had given him dreams. God was going to do a great work in his life. 
Well, he told his brothers, he told his parents, he probably shouldn't have done that. And so they turned around and they hated him. They hated Joseph. His siblings hated him. And so what did they do? They sold him into slavery. And so Joseph was in prison for 13 years. He was a slave. He was in prison for 13 years. But you want to know one, one thing about Joseph the whole way through? The whole way through, and 13 years is a long time. Some of you here are like, it's been 13 days. Lord, I can't handle this, you know. 13 years, man. He stayed pure. He stayed pure. I mean, let me tell you, he could have made excuses. Man, I'm in prison. I don't deserve to be here. One day, this girl, Potiphar's wife, I'm sure she was fine. I'm sure she was beautiful, man. She came to him. She cast her longing eyes on him. And she said, hey, you know what? The direct approach, sleep with me. I mean, she didn't beat around the bush. She said, let's be together. No one will find out. But while Joseph was in prison, Joseph stayed pure. When you're going through the hard times and you're in prison, number one, stay pure. Walk holy before the Lord. He said, how can I do this against God and against my master? Secondly, when you're in prison, here's a more difficult one. I encourage you to praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, you don't feel like it, but you do it by faith. Because we read over in the book of Acts, chapter 16, about another couple of guys that got arrested. They were not, you know, doing anything wrong. They hadn't robbed a bank or, you know, done anything that would be deserving. You know what they were doing? They were preaching the gospel. They were casting out demons. But they got arrested. Then they got put into the lower dungeon. They got beat up, 40 stripes, 39 stripes. And they were there in the shackles. Their feet were shackled. Their, their hands were shackled. What would you do in that situation? Well, we know what they did, right? They praised the Lord. It's powerful when you do that. What do most people do when they're in that situation? Give me some cheese and wine, right? Give me some wine. They start whining and complaining, right? And, uh, you know, Lord, and, and by faith, we got to praise the Lord. When you're in prison, stay pure. When you're in prison, praise God. And when you're in prison, one last prisoner, actually it was Paul again, he got busted a few times. It's kind of funny, man. He got arrested a few times. And then when he went in prison again, what did he do? He wrote letters, huh? Oh, I'm going to write a letter to the church over in Ephesus. I'm going to write a letter to the church in Colossae. I'm going to write a, church to the, a letter to the church in Philippi or to Philemon or to, to my son Timothy. What he was doing was he was in prison with a purpose. He was writing the Bible. You see, when you find yourself in difficult situations like John the Baptist didn't understand it. God has so much love, so much power, but he won't get me out of prison. He doesn't get me out of this. Then I encourage you to stay pure. I encourage you to praise God. I encourage you to find a purpose for God. Don't go do your own thing. That's not what you're supposed to do. Remember, you guys, this is not your life. You were saved. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. What are you doing about it? Are you living for yourself or are you living for him? Paul surrendered. He says, I'll make the best of it. While I'm in prison, I'm going to encourage people in the Lord.
You see, that's what we learn in our text today. Jesus says, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The first word is the word prisoner. The second word is the word greater. Because look what we see next. It says in verse 24, when the messengers of John had departed, he began to speak to the multitudes concerning John. And he said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who are gorgeously apparelled and live in luxury are in king's courts. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. For I say to you, among those born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. You see, we learn uh, from that word prisoner, and then we learn from this word greater. Now, when the you know friends of John go back to him, uh, Jesus then begins to talk a little bit about John, and he begins to say some pretty awesome things. I don't know if he waited for them to leave. That way, you know, they didn't carry this message to puff John up. I'm not sure, you know, but um, he says, man, when you guys went out into the wilderness to see John, what did you go out to see? Was it a man shaken like these reeds in the wind? Is it a guy who had some nice clothes on, soft, luxurious clothes? No. John was great. John was not a compromiser. John was not a man who was interested in his comforts. John was a great prophet. There's a lot of people today, there's a lot of messengers today who are like shaken like the reeds in the wind and they're very interested in not offending people or being, you know, politically correct. And they say and they do whatever, you know, whatever way the wind is blowing. But John was not like that. John was not a compromiser, nor was he a guy who was interested in his creature comforts like we are, you know. When we first got the church, I remember we had these hard green chairs, and everybody complained. No, I'm just joking. You didn't. <laughs> but eventually, you know how it is. We're Americans. We want soft chairs. We want, you know, everything nice and cozy and comfortable, and everything has to be at a certain temperature. And whatever you do, don't rock my boat. Don't invade my life. Don't make me uncomfortable for the kingdom of God. John said, you know what? I'm going to do this for the Lord, man. And he had these clothes on. You guys remember he wore, uh, he ate locusts and wild honey. Have you ever tried that? It's pretty good. And um, (laughs) he wore camel's hair. It's weird. I mean, he was, I guess you can say, an ascetic. He just denied himself. He said, I'm not interested. You know, he got 40 bucks. He didn't go buy a shirt. He said, I'm going to give it to the work of the ministry. I'm going to give it to missions. You know, how many shirts do we need? You know, you guys don't mind. I wear the same shirts like every four Sundays. Nobody gets mad at me. (laughs) You know, I had the same shoes for 10 years. But then again, if you think about it, man, I still, I have soft clothing. You know, this guy was not into compromise. He was not into comfort. 
God was, John was a great man. Not only his character, but his calling. He's taught, Jesus talks about his calling. He says, man, he was a, a great prophet. He was the prophet that was prophesied of in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, right? Man, this great messenger that would come, the forerunner to Jesus Christ. Man, the Lord said, there's no greater prophet born of a woman. Words of commendation. This is a quick side note. It doesn't really matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what I say about you. What matters is what God says about me and what God says about you. What will he say about you? One day when you go there and you're standing before him, will you hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant? I love the way he said good words about John. But then he says something interesting. Again, notice what it says right there in verse 28. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is greater than he. And so if I could just share this with you. Number one, the word prisoner. And then number two, the word greater. You are greater than John the Baptist. Even if you're the you know, least in the kingdom of God, you're greater than John. And you're like, well, what are you talking about? I'm greater than John, man. I don't know what that means, you know. Well, some people say it's salvation, and I don't think that's it. Others say position, and now I think we're getting somewhere. Why? Because John in the old dispensation was just a messenger for God. You are children of God. John was a worker for God. You are friends of God. You see, it has something to do with position. It has something to do with, we call it the dispensation, that in the new era, in the new covenant, what we have, you guys, is greater than what John has. And we're God's friends and we're God's children. And we live on this side of the cross. Of Jesus Christ. We have the whole Bible. And you know, when I look at that, I, I don't know, man, I just pray that we would know these things. Do you realize what God has given us? Do you realize, as Christians, who you are? Yeah, we're prisoners, but man, we're greater. We're greater. And I think a lot of times we realize, not because of who we are, but because of what Christ has done. He died for us. He washed away our sins. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He's established his church. He's here with us. And we need to live in that. What are we doing? I mean, if John did what he did with what we had, what he had, what are we doing with who we are? You see, we learn from our text today, and that's let the Bible speak for itself. The number one, we're prisoners, but God has a purpose for that. And number two, we're greater. And just in case, you know, you're here today and maybe you're not a Christian yet, how can I be greater? Look what we read next. It says in verse 29, And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation? And what are they like? 
They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. The first word is prisoner. The second word is, is greater. And then the third word, if I could just say this, is just that word, uh, I don't know if this is a word, but I'll just say it, humbler. Humbler. <laughs> you know, the, the tax collectors and the sinners, they were humbler than the scribes and the Pharisees, huh? I mean, isn't it crazy, you guys? The tax collectors, it says right there, rejected the will of God for their life. They rejected the will of God for their life. Isn't that crazy? I mean, God has a will for you, you know, number one, that you'd get saved. But there's more to it. There's a beautiful, amazing, indescribable plans that God has for our life. Beautiful. And we got to be so careful that we don't reject them, that we don't kick against the goats. God is so loving and wonderful and gracious. And, and, you know, he'll he'll chase after us. Sometimes we play hard to get, huh? (laughs) He'll chase after us. He loves you so much. But he ultimately will not force us. And so in looking at this right here, we see the tax collectors, man, they were baptized by John, which was a baptism according to Acts chapter 19, verse 4, a baptism of repentance, a baptism in believing on him who would come after. That's Jesus Christ. Repenting of our sins, receiving the Lord. You know, it's not that God wants to take away your fun. It's that God loves you. He wants to save you. Don't hold on to that sin because the sin will keep you from him. God says, let go of that. Repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You know, the Lord trips out on this generation, it says right here. He says, man, how how can I liken this generation? You know, and even today, I think he trips out on us, if I could just say that. God trips out on us, man. (laughs) You know, because, you know, he's doing everything he can to reach us to reach us as you know those that don't know the lord that they would come to the lord and for those that that do know the lord man that they would just be on fire for god he's doing everything he can he says you know we played the fruit flute for you and you didn't dance and so then we tried a different approach we mourned and you didn't weep he said um, John the Baptist came neither eating or drinking, and you guys criticized him, saying he has a demon. The Son of Man uh, came eating and drinking, and you say he's a glutton and a wine bibber. 
you know, there's these different approaches that God, you know, has to reach us. And some people have a lot of rules and regulations and they just find themselves kind of like an ascetic like John. And that's supposed to be, I guess, a tug for some. Others love the fact that they're so free in Christ, you know, and they can have a double-double and they can have pizza and they can have a good time and they can even reach out to sinners. And, and they're different. One of the beautiful things about Jesus is he didn't tell John, be like me as far as that goes. There's a character element of it but there's not a personality element of it john jesus said okay you like locusts and wild honey that's fine i wanted you to have double doubles but no well no no he didn't do that right he says you're you we are who we are god says basically man i've done everything to try to reach you and a lot of times you guys we're just not reachable we're not teachable Oh, it's the messenger's fault, man. That guy right there, he's got a demon, you know. So, <laughs> it's the messenger. Oh, he's just so loose. I'll bet you he guzzles, you know. He's a wine bibber, man. He eats too much. I mean, you name it. We could say so many things about the, the, the man, the messenger. But what about the word of God? You see, God has given us his word, and he speaks to us. And he died for us. And the way of the cross of Jesus Christ is the only way. You see, that's what he says there in the very end. He says, the bottom line is this. This is how it ends. Wisdom is justified by her children. Which way are you going to go? You're going to go your way or are you going to go God's way? Your way is not a good way. It's not, it's not fruitful. It really isn't. You know, I've learned uh, to trust um, God's way. And not my way. You know, the other day, like I said, we went up to the mountains. And uh, I, to be honest with you, um, although I was speaking at this retreat, I didn't really know where it was at. <laughs> all I knew, it was, it was at the mountains. That's all I knew. But I had a navigator with me, man. Uh, this brother, Martin, man, he knows the mountains, you know. And so as we're on our way over there, you know, at first I'm like, okay, no problem, you know, we'll get there. But then after a little bit, I'm like, are, are you sure you know where you're going, you know? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Waterman's over here. I said, oh, okay, all right. And then we're going up the mountain, and next thing you know, he makes 137 turns, right? And uh, along the way, I'm like, man, I, 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 I don't know if he knows where he's going, you know? But then deep, deeper, deeper in my heart, I said, no, he knows where he's going. He knows. And so I didn't say a word. I was sweating. <laughs> but I didn't say a word. Why? Because, you know, he knows the mountain. He knows the way. He's been there a million times. And here we are in life. God's our maker. God's our maintainer. God sees everything. And we got to trust him, you guys. Wisdom is justified by her children. God's way is the best way. God's way brings tax collectors to salvation. God's way, God's love, God's blood, when we would humble ourselves, will bring salvation to our life. Salvation through our life. And so we learn from the prisoner. What do we do when we're in prison? We learn from the greater, oh, I'm greater than John the Baptist. That's interesting. We learn to be humbler, like the tax collector, not the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees. And ultimately, I guess this is what we learn, huh? 
we learn about our Savior. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, who is working in us. He's working through us. He wants to bring, I guess, to your life, you know, children. You know, not just um, a number of children, but the nature of children. Not just children, but changed children. Not just, you know, some children, but saved children. God wants to bring fruit out of our life. What do we need to do? Well, we need to grow in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God says, you know what? I'll let you drive, Lord. <laughs> I trust your, uh, your GPS system for my life. And I'm going to do this with all my heart, with passion and with fervency. And so let's pray together. Lord, I just uh, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you for, uh, Lord, seeing that someone like John the Baptist could have doubts. What do we do when we're in that prison? Oh, Lord, help us not to be offended. Help us to trust you, not to stumble away, but to even draw closer, Lord. I thank you that you revealed to us in your word that we're even greater than John the Baptist, but not because of who we are, but because of the blood of the new covenant, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we would be humbler, Lord God, that we would acknowledge our sins, repent of our sins, and really receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the amazing work you're doing and this church, the mighty men of valor. Lord, I see them. I'm so blessed by them, Lord. God, I thank you for the women of God that are here today. And there's changes in the home, and there's changes in the life, and there's changes in the heart, Lord God. I pray, Father, just that you would continue that work and that you would encourage us today in the amazing gospel of our Savior. And if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, if there's anyone here today who has drifted away, Lord, that today they would know your love. That today they would know your long-suffering. How you, you chase them. You love them. And you're so kind, patient. I pray that if there's anyone here today who's not where they should be, that, Lord, today you bring them back. Please, Father. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much. Help us, Lord God, to live, to know how to live, to have that wisdom to live in the last days. We thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.